another 8 a.m. start for us. It was a really good conversation, Josh. Um, lovely uh, check-in where we found out that you don't like Weetabix with warm milk. <laughs> and actually, we had a deep conversation about food addiction, which I yeah. think a lot of people will find really useful. And then uh, it was quite political, culturally heavy for the rest of it, which meant a lot of ranting. Um, from you. From me. <laughs> and some good debate and some yeah. good, you know, we push each other when we have those conversations and yeah. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find us, Josh? At 115 Miles Pod. Come and see us there. Join the community and we'll see you all very soon. <laughs> This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different. But we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Speaking of Weetabix, Josh, are you a two Weetabix or a three or a four Weetabix <laughs> kind of guy, mate? Um, I'm not a massive Weetabix fan, mate. Oh. Like, I feel like they need a lot of sugar on them if, they, if they're going to be They do enjoyable. need a lot of sugar. So then it kind of defeats the object of having them. Also, they feel like they disintegrate a lot more easily. They than soak they up to. all your milk. So it is so You have to hard. be quick. And you have, it's hard to judge the milk in them. Let me ask you another question. All right. Cold milk or warm milk? Wait a bit. Oh, don't. That's a silly question. What? No, it's not. It is, mate. D never warm wheat a bit. Oh, shut up. Do you warm them up? Yeah. Honest? Yeah, 100%. No, mate. No, not in a million years, no. I don't even like the smell when they're in the microwave. One of the kids used to have them warmed up. It's the only way to eat Weetabix. No, it's not. This is such an eight. So for the listeners, we are recording at eight o'clock in the morning. We're back on the grind, mate. Fucking hustle culture. Look at us. I think we're changing the, the conversation around hustle. We are, mate. We're bringing it back. Hustle yeah. culture is coming back. Yeah. Have you noticed there's the odd eye contact thing going oh, on? It again? always happens, mate. Is it because of the weird lines behind my background? That's because your ugly face, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the handsome, tall, dark, and uh, handsome is. Uh, is you are right. looking very good, to be fair, Hass. We so were just you, discussing Josh. off air yeah. that you were you're looking nice and trim. And you're looking. I, I thought you might a bit more be a bit more tanned actually after after your holiday in the sun. I am not a tanner. Um, I'm not a massive sun worshiper. No, that's not true. I love the sun, but I don't. Do, 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 do. I do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It's here comes the sun. Isn't it? I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to chase a tan when I was on holiday because I, do you know what it was? What it was driven by mainly, I need to make sure people can see that I've had a really hot holiday. Yeah. Um, and I've been burnt a couple of times and got uncomfortable with it. So now I'm just uh, cream up, look after my skin. I don't want to look like a leather handbag when I'm older neither. What happens to your tattoos over time? Like when you're older, will they fade or like what's, what happens? Usually? Um, they reckon the ink's a lot better now. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, so they reckon um, they don't fade as much. But yeah, like my older ones have faded. What's interesting is my arm hair's gone blonde because I used to shave my arms, but I stopped doing it. And then one leg, one leg, the hair on one leg has gone blonde and not on the other. And that's because 
I've got a leg sleeve tattoo on one, so it's new hairs. Oh, really? Oh, facts, bosh. Bosh. <laughs> um, so how are you doing after, you know, a week away? You've had some good holiday time this year, right? Mate, yeah. Yeah, I have. Like, I think we talked about it before, right? I've now recognised that I'm like a, I'm a sprinter. So, like, I work really hard. We talked about it last week, last episode. Work myself into the ground, then rest, recuperate, and then I'll go again. That's how, that is how I work. Mm. Um... And what was really good, I know I've told you this, but I'll tell you it again, is um, on holiday, because six of us went, my wife and four of the kids, and uh, you, you you could pay, it was only a small amount, you could pay for five devices, unlimited Wi-Fi while you was there. So obviously there were six devices, um, and so I didn't pay for mine. And so I only got like a few hundred megabytes for the whole week that we were there. And our safe in the room that me and my wife and the two younger ones were in uh, was still locked from the previous people. And so we used the locker uh, in the kids' room next door. And I put my phone in there on aeroplane mode and checked it twice the whole holiday. Like I checked it on Friday because I needed to check my work emails to see if there's anything. And there was something else you needed to do on the Friday. And I needed to just make sure that my fantasy football team was still going to beat yours, which it did, naturally. Uh, I think I, I don't think I needed to check it, actually, um, <laughs> in, that inst- <laughs> in that instance. But you know what? Um it, I shut off so good. And I, look, I did, honestly, on the plane back, I was just thinking, I'd love to not have to go back to social media at all. I'll, honestly, I'd love to just not do it at all and have a have a Nokia 3310. What, honestly, just think back now. Was there any part of you that was itching for it, but you, but your sort of um, discipline kept you away from it? So- no. Yeah. No, but but for even from a work sense, so not like I don't, I don't. No. You're not somebody that uh, is that uses it for for entertainment, right? Yeah, so. yeah. No, I put my out of office on, and how do uh, you do that on social media? Uh, well, not on social media, um, but no, from a social media perspective, there was a little bit of, like for the first day, or, or when I actually did it, there was a bit of me that thought, you know, TikTok and Instagram are going to punish me from in terms of eyes on 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 the content that I put out. Yeah, there was a bit of there was a bit of nerves around that, but I just thought. And then, like my reaction to that was like, "Oh fuck, I'm not being controlled by that shit." Do you know what I mean? I don't want to. I don't anything. Anytime I think I'm being controlled by anyone or anything, it puts me off. So, I think that kickback made it really easy. What I would say from in terms of not missing it, um, was the fact that. Because, by the way, I'm f- straight back into it, yeah? Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, I eased my way back into it. From the, the next day, I was, boom, back in it, and I'm back on the addictively looking at it and it just being stupid. Um, and the, I, the difference is, is that on holiday, I I I'd shut off completely from any stress. Mm. I was led, All I had to worry about was when the next drink was coming, soft drink, my hand. Uh, and when I was going to eat again, you two sound like drunk bros <laughs> having a laugh. Um. So, 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 but, but, but what I mean by that is, it's unrealistic, right? You, you, if I could live a life where I could just lay by a pool every day, then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have any stresses in life, and there'd be nothing that I wanted to escape from, and all that kind of stuff. But the stresses of life overwhelm me pretty quickly, and then that's why I seek escape in the way that I do. And the phone is one of the reasons. Yeah, sense. yeah. I think I, um, I would say like I had a. I had a really restful week last week as well. I didn't go away. So I think um, there's a good kind of reminder to 
they, you know, they, you don't have to go away to kind of um, give yourself some space and time. And 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 the other interesting thing for me is that I real because I, I think I made some big promises on our last episode. Yeah, I'm going to take the week off, and I did actually. But what I found was staying dipped in a little bit to work actually reduced my anxiety levels. Yeah, because there's so much going on. I know that unless I do a little check-in on, you know, every so often, and and a check-in is literally maybe a two-minute phone call. Say, what's up? Any anything? And and uh, that I need to know about. And and like the team will say, no, no, there's nothing. And then that's it. I'm good yeah. for the day. And um, that just meant I really rested because I just, for me, it doesn't matter if somebody says to me, "Don't worry, we got everything under control." I'll still be going, well, nothing's under control. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I need to just check in and do it. Now, does that say more about me and the work I need to do? Probably. But as a result, I felt really chilled. And, you know, we talked about it um, when we caught up at the end of last week. How relaxed I feel, how energized I am now. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just by, you know, by just taking some time out. I didn't do any work. Like, I did a tiny bit here and there, but actually... It was a really good break. Yeah, look, and I think when you when you do this kind of thing that we do in terms of like leading and all that sort of stuff and you're in charge, there's like you a bit of that checking in is kind of needed. It's unrealistic to think that I know a lot of LinkedIn founders seem to be able to like nail it every time and we're tough on LinkedIn founders, aren't we? Oh fucking do you know what really pisses right we're here? I'm gonna I'm going for it. You know what really pisses me off on LinkedIn now? And by the way, I'm part of it because I do it. Yeah. Right. So I'm part of the Matrix. I'm blaming the Matrix. All right, Neo. Because uh, <laughs> you know now, like, obviously what does well on the algorithm on LinkedIn is if you do a good first liner that makes people click on read more. Yeah. And people's first... Do you know what's really... Have you seen this? What's really common now is someone will be like, dickhead twat, I hope you die tomorrow is their first line. Oh, I haven't seen that. But no, no, I've no, really no, been... I'm, 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 oh, I'm just, oh, right. That's a rant. Like something really obscene like that. And you go, oh my God, and then you click it and it goes, they leave two lines, so you have to click. And then they go, oh, this is something that was said to me when I was 12 years old by the school bullies. And I'm like, everyone's doing it. So they're like taking this really bad thing that's happened, right? And then the post is about how bad it was and that it shouldn't have been said, but they're using that as the yeah. way to hook you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I probably do it, well, so. Yeah, uh, I think that, that method has been used to, to great effect on LinkedIn, but that it may not be, <clears throat> you know, uh, using sensationalism from when you were 12 years old, but that line followed by a couple of spaces and then the story. Yeah, but I don't mind a good first line. I don't mind if you've written a piece and then you pull a first line out or you like, you write a good hook, yeah? It's uh, clickbait, isn't it? Not if it's a good hook. What I'm saying is the, the, the stuff the that, yeah. The other thing's yeah. clickbait, yeah. yeah. And it is like, yeah, it just annoys me. Mm. It shouldn't, mm. you know. And back to uh, my story, though. Thanks <laughs> for jumping in there, Josh. But back to uh, no. But what I will say is, I think again, like we observed that um, you don't have to be perfect, you know. And yeah. in our minds, we're like, right, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take this time off. I'm gonna, it's gonna be a perfect week off. It's gonna be a perfect week away. And actually, that can create more problems if you if you just you know you, you make it work for you whatever it is you want to do right yeah and I think we because we had a bit of a conversation about it didn't we on the yeah. phone when we got back and like we were both sort of saying yeah I did this and then we were saying the you, we were almost framing the fact that we did a bit like that we checked the phone that it wasn't quite perfect and then we were like no nah, that it was exactly what it needed to be 
and maybe the fact that uh, we allowed our sort of my over controlling or your you know perfectionism that we always talk about. We said the fact that um, we were allowing that to come into the way in which we switch off. So we were like trying to make it like you might, if you don't switch off perfectly, then you failed and it wasn't the perfect switch off. And I don't think life doesn't work like that, does it? No. And that's the point. And that's what social media doesn't show you normally because people will show you the real polarized, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So emotional check-in. Emotional check-in. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, I want you to go first. So. I'm in, a, I'm in um, I, feel re I feel energized in the way that we just talked about, right? I feel energetically uh, very clear in where I'm heading since I got back. But about two days into the holiday, uh, all inclusive, all you can eat, two or three days after about the third day, I was eating myself into an oblivion, like proper eating myself into an oblivion. Um, and it didn't feel good at all. And like, you know, the first day it's like, oh, you're on your holiday. Second day you're on your, and then the third day I said to Leah, I was like, I, I don't like what's going on here. And what I'd done is like in the like three or four weeks lead up into going on holiday, I had said to myself, I'm going on an all inclusive holiday in four weeks. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in eating well now. I'll just get into holiday mode. And I felt physically, I know I'd put on a couple of pounds, but that's only the indicator uh, that shows the lack of control that I've experiencing around the ways in which I eat. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. So, so the the the, the weight thing mm. in and of itself—it's what's going on inside. It's not mind. my problem. Yeah, yeah, you know. So then, like like Leah says, you look fine. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. And like, and I'm like, yeah, but that's not the point. Um, I know that this is out of control, uh, and I know that I am numbing out. I'm acting out. Yeah, numbing out whatever you want to call it, using food. Um, and it's that, you know, it's the, I, I sometimes need to reach these places where it's like, I feel awful about it when, and then I switched and it must've been about like, yeah, day three or four of the holiday. I just switched and started eating mindfully, which doesn't necessarily mean eating really clean when I was on holiday, but it was like, in the morning, I'm not hungry, so I'm not gonna force a load of sugary donuts down me just because it's all you can eat. Mm. I'm gonna have a little bit of fruit and a bit of yogurt, and that's fine. And that switch up change it, changed, and then I've been like that ever since, and I feel so much better when I'm in that mindful space. Um, and I just, you know, I said to you, when I start to treat the way that I eat more like addiction like that, yeah, like yeah. it's food addiction rather than like any kind of moral or lack of willpower, um, I get so much clearer in my head. Yeah, I, I think it's really important that we're talking about this because we, we, when we talk about addiction or have done on this podcast, we've touched on food before, Yeah, but we talk often about drugs and we talk about um, alcohol in the main, but also, you know, um, widely reported stuff that is, that is often seen as um, detrimental to your health, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas food is something that I don't, food addiction, I don't think it gets really talked about. And and um, you, can't, you can't run away from food. 
in the same way that you can abstain from other things, right? Yeah. You can work on abstaining from alcohol. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, but with food, it's always there. You, you like, you, you can eat healthy, sure, but it's still food. And the yeah. the, the act, it's, I think with, with food addiction, it's not just about the thing that you're putting in. It's the whole process around it. It's what's going on in your head. It's the endorphins. It's the dopamine, should I say, that you get from it. So I think food addiction is a really... Um, uh, it's a very, very important topic because of the impacts of food addiction. And and also, I think people often point to obese people or larger people and, yeah. and think, oh, it's a fat people person's problem. But actually, yeah. when you look at you, somebody that takes care of themselves and, and uh, you know, does a lot of uh, physical activity, it's a, con- you know, it's a constant battle. But it's nothing, it's not about that, is it? It's not, no. like you say, it's not about... Only about that. And I get in that same shame spiral. And this is the thing that people don't talk about. You know, the next morning after like a big, what is bingey? The next morning I feel awful. I feel shit. I'm like, you're, you know, you're a disgrace. And then I, I'll restrict and starve myself all morning because I'm trying to like, like reverse all of what I think is the damage that I've done the day before. There's a good friend of mine actually who I met at Uncommon Man. I won't say his name, but he, um, he talks about how he says, I've got, particularly a sugar addiction. And he was like, and the shit I have to put up with, he was like, you don't go around somebody's house and say, I've just quit alcohol and then keep trying to force alcohol down you. Although that does kind of happen to a degree, but I understand Mm. what he's saying. Mm. And he's like, and people, but people will do that wherever I go, they'll try and force chocolate and pudding and sugar on me. And he says, and the only way I can sort of have any kind of freedom is if I go any refined sugar, you know, anything that's got refined sugar in it, I just can't, I have to abstain. Mm. I can't do it, otherwise mm. it sets me off. And there's a there's a big level of truth in, 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 in that for me. I see a lot of people posting on social media over Halloween yesterday saying, you know, oh, don't listen to the fitness experts that say don't eat loads of sugar today because you can eat as much as you want, it's Halloween, you know, give yourself that freedom. And I, had, I sort of get and understand all of that. But if you're somebody like me, if I had a few sweets yesterday, I'm on one. And it's like, it's it's very similar to if I had a couple of drinks yesterday just yeah. for Halloween, yeah. I'm turning up here this morning and I've got I've got whiskey in my coat of coffee, you know? Yeah, I, I would say, um, I would say that I've been in a similar place that you were getting to in the last four weeks or so in yeah. the lead up to your holiday, but I've had that f- probably all year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, and unlike you, and I've talked about this before, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I've never really sustained something for a long period of time, and I think what where I burn a lot of energy is just working and running around the whole time. So to look at me, you pro- probably wouldn't think that, that you know food is something that I'm. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, I've got uh, kind of a unhealthy relationship with, but it's been there all my life, as we've talked about before. Um, but what I found in the last week was uh, uh, is a little switch clicked for me, but for a different reason. And I think what might for, for me, my emotional check in is actually just um, contentment, happiness, I would say, just at, at, at finding the switch. Because I feel like I've been searching for it for a while. Because mm. if you look at my life as an observer, you think like everything's kind of in a good healthy place but for me internally and I would say I'm happy with work I'm happy with family happy with friends um, but the health and fitness has kind of been the one that, I've, that for me has felt a little bit out of reach and because I've been quite busy doing loads of things I almost um, 
negotiate with myself that, oh, you're busy, Hass, don't worry about it, you know, and that's what it's been like. And so um, what happened just, you know, um, last week was a little click um, just switched. It's a bit like when you're trying to find the gear in the car and it just finally yeah. finds the gear. Uh, and and then that's it. And then I've been on like a really, really mindful journey um, through the week. And so when Halloween is also my eldest daughter's birthday and she t became a teenager yesterday. So there was loads of activity, loads of sweets, loads of treats. But because I was in this mindful space... I wasn't interested yeah. in any of it. Yeah, yeah. And actually, even there was like pizza in the house. And I had a slice of pizza because I was like waiting around. And normally I would have gone, the taste of one would have made me want yeah, to gorge yeah. on four slices. And it was fine. And then in and in the end, I just made a like a, a, a wholemeal chicken wrap. And that was me. And I was really satisfied. And for me, that really confirmed that I've switch that uh you know that flick that switch in my head but now i know i'm going to get tested down the line christmas is coming up and all this stuff so it's, it's really about continuing the work and you know and and developing the identity there's something like you know it takes um was it uh, 14 days to begin a habit 28 days to kind of form a habit and then i think a year to start to crave the habit so there's a long journey ahead to kind of do it, but I think it's really, really important to um, to, uh, to to recognize the the positive moments as well as when you beat yourself up as well. Yeah, and look, the, the, my my truth is is that I've done this like flittering between these being in that mind. There's you go back over 115 miles episodes. There's episodes in, over the last two years of me talking exactly like we're talking yeah, now. Yeah, and yeah. I'm saying to you, I'm mindfully eating. I don't want to go near them. And, you know, and, and more than any other addiction, clear addiction that I've had, because I think some of them are a bit nuanced, but like of any other clear addiction that I've had, the, the food one is the one where I flutter in and out of it. And if you lined up a picture of me every month for the last five years, you would see just how much my weight fluctuates. Yeah. It's not massive, so it's not like sort of necessarily noticeable to the, to the naked eye, but my weight fluctuates all the time and I go right down really lean and I look in incredible shape. And then I go to just being slightly, you know, a little bit uh, over what, what I normally am, you know? And uh, but that's because this with food addiction, it's not like alcohol addiction. Let me ask you. Because yeah. Christmas, but you know, Christmas, yeah. It's like alcohol addiction is if I have alcohol, all bets are off. Yeah. But what about, you know, with food, it's like if you have a Christmas dinner, yeah, and then you have a couple of chocolates because it's Christmas. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's Boxing Day. Yeah. And then you're off till New Year anyway. Yeah. And then it's New Year, so you've done yourself a week. And then you're back into it, and, and then it becomes really hard to get back into that space. It's and a shit cycle, isn't it? it like, is, it, it, and then it's January, so hard, and, then, and then, and 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 so you just perpetuate, and you sort of know it, it, it's coming. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, and but none of the experts out there, none of the fitness nutrition experts, none of them talk in terms of addiction. It's all this rational part, and I understand it all completely rationally. Yeah, but it ain't rational. It's not rational. Do you know what I mean? Addiction yeah. isn't real, yeah, rational, yeah, yeah. and that's the yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, sorry, go. One one thought I had um, before we move on was: was there any connection to to your slowing down? Right, coming off social media, coming off work, just really relaxing, and that early part of your holiday, like where you sort of binge ate. Yeah. Do you get the question? Yeah, I get the question. Because yeah. you, you're always busy and your mind is always busy. And actually you were like, I've, I've got nothing to do. So let me fill it with 
eating and not thinking about other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and, that, and because I stripped everything else back, yeah, it only took two days before I went. I'm I'm all I'm thinking about is food here and then I'm laying and feeling crap and then it's like right it's been an hour you know what it's like yeah you lay you feel crap you're overeating and then it starts to clear and you're like I, can, I reckon I can go again now yeah and then you go again yeah and then it was like because I'd stripped everything else back it's like fucking stop you know I'm, I'm ruining this yeah because I'm just I'm addicted and I'm chasing my next higher food and then when I went bam I'm not doing that anymore the game changed in the next sort of five and, and years. And all, all, all inclusives, it, it doesn't support the food addict, does it? Like, <laughs> you, you don't you don't go on holiday to relax. You go on holiday and then you're working to their schedule, aren't you? Yeah, like, yeah. when's my next free meal coming? Yeah. But I always, um, you can always tell a Brit versus like a European, you know, like <laughs> when they're on holiday, just by looking at their plate, because the Brits kind of have this like, oh, a bit of, have a bit of chicken, a bit of pork, bit of fish, vegetables, like, whereas you, you see like the Europeans, you know, they just have a, like a nice light starter and yeah, you know, yeah. we just mix and it all up and just have a, like an art art piece on your plate. And because we're in Egypt, they can't, they don't do pork. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Because they know the hotel's full of Brits, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got like beef sausages that they've, I don't know, colour dyed the fuck out yeah. of to make them look like uh, pork. Yeah. They've even got beef bacon. Yeah, because they know the Brits like, you know. Before we were in this like current age that we are where there's loads of vegan options and stuff like that. There wasn't a lot back in the uh, sort of uh, early 2000s. And my friend was, um, my flatmate was uh, a vegetarian. Yeah. Except when he was drunk, actually, when he used to come <laughs> home, he used to just smell bacon cooking. But he used to eat, um, he used to eat facon. Oh, I've, I've seen it, yeah. I've Gross. Yeah. Yeah, nothing like it. Glad the world's moving. But we've, I think the options are pretty good now, the meat-free options. I've never looked at them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, let me let me read you uh, a tweet that a friend sent of mine sent uh, sent to me. This tweet said, "Who was prime minister when Queen Elizabeth died?" is going to be a god tier trivia question in like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's true, isn't it? The uh, answer is Liz Truss. Liz Truss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a couple like, of days after she came in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so uh, Liz Truss is gone. We predicted it. We recorded like a day or two before she went. And yeah. We predicted it. It wasn't yeah. very hard to predict, but yeah, she's gone. What do you think she's up to right now? What, Liz Truss? Yeah. <laughs> What's she doing right now? I'm crying, probably. Just still crying. Crying into her Weetabix. Making warm it warm. <laughs> she definitely she, has she probably, warm Weetabix. She's a warm Weetabix yeah. eater, isn't she? Oh, she's one of them. 100% mate, yeah. <laughs> Crying into oh. a warm Weetabix. I don't know, man. I mean, look, from a human level, it must have been horrible for her. I think, I think people have lost sight of that. You know, like, yeah. I think, like, uh, set up to fail, probably... Um, you know, like I'm not trying to absolve her of blame. Like she, she, she led this. Um, she led her downfall. But I think um, it, it, the world just jumped on her, right? And uh, understandably, because of what you know, the impact it caused. But you forget that actually behind it all, there's a human being that's just properly broken. Yeah, like how could they take so fucking long to pick her? That campaign went on for yeah, ages. It did. It did. So, like, two weeks, like, surely she said what she was going to do. Yeah. Did she not? I mean, or did she just then go, 
she got in and go, right, everything I said in the campaign, I'm going to do something different. And then they've got rid of her and got in who she was up against. Anyway, it's like in like in any other area of life, in any public service sector, yeah, which is like what the government's in charge of, yeah, right? If any manager had have handled a situation, you know, of, of pulling in somebody to run something in the way that the Conservative Party themselves have, have handled the last year, they'd get fired. Yeah. And? So why are they allowed to just keep getting away with it? Because it's, you know, because we talked about, right, the, the power feeds the power addiction and they're all addicted to power and they think that they can get away with it. Well, they, they, they don't think, they know they, they can. They know and they have. And what's really worrying, but not necessarily un, unsurprising, is I think a recent poll... Um, and I don't know. I, did, I, I don't know whether whether they were polling Tories or, or or conservative sort of members. But a recent poll pointed out that people have more confidence in a Rishi Sunak government to lead us through this crisis than a Labour government. Do they? Yeah, that was a recent one. And con considering where it had gotten to, it's a very very interesting place to be. So there's. Let's talk a little bit for a second about Rishi Sunak, right? Um, because the, he, I think the worst thing I've seen him say, which made me just think I don't want that bloke anywhere near leading the country, is yeah. when he sort of, you know, was speaking to all those Tories at the time and he said, I'm taking... Tunbridge Wells, yeah. Yeah, I'm making sure that I take money away from all of those essentially people that need it and I'm going to bring it back into the affluent areas or something, he said. Yeah, so, he, yeah. I think what he said was, um, I'm just going to get, because I've pulled up his voting record okay. as an MP, because I think that's quite interesting to, yeah. as, a, as a predictor of uh, what kind of prime minister he'll be. Yeah, I th he said he was he was trying to win that, you know, conservative party vote. And he was like saying, I've taken money. Money's been uh, disproportionately distributed to ur like urban areas and I'm bringing it back. And yeah, he, he that I think was you know, shocking. Why is that not catastrophic for him though? Because of, why would it be? For Like it is amongst Labour voters, but, uh, and, uh, you know, and left-leaning liberals, neoliberals, but that actually speaks to a lot of the base of who he was trying to attract. So he was very smart in what he was doing. Um, he was basically trying to win that base, but it it, it was not enough for him to win it, but he was trying. It was a last yeah. minute dash for it. But yeah, let's, um, yeah, anyway, look, I mean, listen, the office of the prime minister is gonna smell a lot nicer. A lot like Savage. Savage. Fucking everywhere Savage smells like tap. at the moment. Yeah. yeah, everywhere smells like, Egypt smelled like Savage in that hotel because every man and his dog's wearing Savage. Really? Oh, it doesn't matter. You're over it, aren't you? I used to like Savage. Yeah, I did. Maybe it will, will leave it a bit and then but it can make a comeback. On the, I know we're joking about it, but I do think he's got a lot of the support that he has because he looks decent in a suit and like he'd smell quite good and he's quite charismatic. Uh, I think he looks the part, but I don't think that that's any different to how Liz Trust looked, you know? like Oh, I think it is. She looked fucking, she didn't look charismatic and approachable and charming, did she? She didn't, but I guess I guess she dressed the part, yeah. Like, but I don't think that's why. I, personally, 
I think the reason he probably has more credibility is because he was Chancellor during COVID and he I can't I don't know why that gives credibility to him. I know, but that's like he's been he he was in the job during a time of crisis. I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Yeah, but what? Look at the um, what did they call it when they were paying everybody not to go to work in COVID? Furlough. Yeah, look at the furlough scheme that he done. Well, he didn't have a fucking choice. Yeah, it's not like I don't and think also that was special. A lot what of he money. did. No, 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 no. Exactly. And by the way, he like people are acting like it come out of his and Tory's pockets. It'll be the poor that pay for it. So let's remember he's he's got a. a a, a, a wealth pile of about 700 million. Right? Yeah, and he's a fucking tax dodger as well. His wife, his wife, not him. His wife was uh, had non-domicile status. Let's right. just be really clear. What was that matter then? Because um, just, be, just being really factual, she's the one and her tax affairs, not necessarily him. Now, obviously, their joint income, you can say, well, obviously, they're paying less tax. Well, not you can, you do. What, joint income? Yeah, you don't say. Well, you could say that it's it's joint income, so you sort of could but say that it's her his as well. her wealth is the is the predominant one through her family, right? I'm not I'm not saying that I don't. I know anecdotally I'm fucking agree with fixing you. to rant oh, here. Yeah, I'm getting angry, tell, yeah, which is just, good. Okay, let's so let me tell you. So I'm going to just read out a couple of things. I'm just going to pull the highlights. Okay, so um, so he has uh, voted uh, generally for reducing the rate of corporation tax. Um, he's voted on uh, against higher taxes on banks. Therefore, what that means is is driving their their profits. Consistently voted for reducing capital gains tax, which which uh, benefits the wealthier people. Right? Okay. Um, consistently voted for higher taxes on alcoholic drinks. Who does that really hit? Right? Yeah. It's. Um, poorer side of uh, yeah, yeah. society, more. Um, he has, interestingly, let me just, um, I've, I've, he's not that he's not that interested in education, by the way. He's hardly ever voted on education. Now, here's an interesting one. And, and, and it's not about the economy, right? Never voted on equal gay rights. Never voted on allowing p uh, marriage between two people of the same sex generally voted against laws to promote equality and human rights. I think that's an interesting voting record. What mm. do you think? Well, it just proves everything. I think it shows that like, and he's leading the country, man. Yeah. And he gets away with it because he's a bit charismatic. Yeah, exactly. He gets away. This is what I like. This is what I really struggle with. He's and he spent millions of our money, by the way. And I think it's always really important to remember our money. Yeah. Spent millions of our money on um, uh, like campaigns to make sure on his sort of personal branding, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Rishi for. Because he knows, because he knows yeah. that like if he can look quite good in a suit and look like he smells like Savage and all that, people are warm to him and it don't matter too much about everything else. I think, you know, like his out of touchness is really obvious, you know, like I don't know if you saw, like even when he became prime minister, he didn't know how to use a contactless um, card. And then like he's just I, he's out of touch with reality. Um, and some videos surfaced of when he was a teenager and he was like, I know 
you know, on all sorts. I, you know, I uh, I went to this post school and then I met some people and I know some middle class people. I know, and I'm working class people. And well, not actually, not working class people. So, like, is there a video yeah, of him doing the, that? Yeah. It? Well, we were all dickheads yeah. when we were teenagers. Yeah, true. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. Um, but I think um, his voting record is uh, really, for me, that's really interesting. That he is. Uh, I don't know. He's not anti. Uh, anti-gay yes he uh, is uh, according to uh, according to his voting record or that's no 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 his say. voting record shows he's anti-gay why do you say that because he hasn't voted at all for it yeah he yeah, hasn't yeah, used yeah. the power that he yeah, has yeah, to vote point. for it so yeah. he's anti-gay yeah yeah but he just don't want to be explicitly no, no, anti-gay yeah, yeah, yeah really good point yeah so 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 like that's like and look I, I think on this equality thing it's worth asking the question right as somebody with brown skin, right? You obviously um, uh, don't buy into him as a person, right? Uh, as who he is, right? We're sort of both agreeing, although I'm sort of ranting about it, right? We do that on here, that's fine. But so you don't really agree with him, right? How does that sit with, obviously, because it is a big moment as well that he's the first person of color in the UK yeah. to run the country. Yeah. How does that sit with you on those two things? I the fact that he is that and the fact that he's a, I don't know, to put it simply, that I'm going to say he's a bit of a moron and he's not what we think the country wants and needs. I don't feel any resonance or connection to him as an individual. And just united by the, you know, the fact that we're the same skin colour. Um, I think, you know, we talked about this when they were running for PM right at the beginning. And I said, well, um, you know, to see some representation in a party, um, uh, where, sorry, to, to running for uh, prime minister, I thought that was good. But then actually, if you think about it, it's the Tory party and there's not enough in the Labour Party. So what I'm more disappointed about is that there isn't enough in the Labour Party mm. in terms of equality and representation. And they were they were really um, squirming around when, when he became Prime Minister because they were all on the talk shows and they didn't have an answer for why they don't have more representation. So what I would love to see is the party that I... Um, ideologically feel more closely connected to, to have more representation. I don't look at Rishi Sunak or Suella Braverman or uh, Priti Patel or Kwasi Kartang and think, yeah, they're me. They're my people. I just yeah. think they're not at all. Um, but I think there's been a lot of debate around, you know, the first prime minister who's a Hindu and South Asian that has to be acknowledged in a country that is unanimously, um, sorry, majoritively yeah. white and white heritage. Um, so that has to be recognised. But I don't feel any deep connection or aspiration to want to be like Rishi Sunak. Right. That's. It's just I was re that I saved that question purposely saved it for uh, the podcast. Yeah. I was really interested to see if there was like I don't know even like a conflict within. Let, you, let me let me just read you. Uh, uh, a post that my my sister sent me yesterday. She said, um, and there's a picture, yeah, there's a picture of Priti Patel and um, Rishi and Kemi Badenoch, I think her name is. It cannot be a coincidence that the most racist immigration policy agenda has been delivered by a procession of Asian home secretaries. It's almost impossible to imagine a white politician proposing to deport immigrants to Rwanda, but Priti Patel, whose parents were Ugandan Indian, could get away with such draconian measures without being accused of racism. 
I think that's really, really interesting. These are like deporting asylum seekers to Rwanda. Yeah. Is a is an inherently deeply racist policy, but we haven't um, talked about it in the same way as as if the Home Secretary would have been white. Like, and I think there's a really interesting debate to be had there around being pushed as a face of these really, really harsh, draconian, racist policies. Wow, almost using almost using their skin color yeah. to be able to yeah. uh, 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 to push these things on because. Uh, the lady who's Home Secretary now, is that the third lady that you mentioned in there? Suella Braverman. Is that yeah. who it is? Yeah. yeah. No, that's not her there. Uh, but yeah, that's, but yeah. the lady, right, she's Asian, right? Or, 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 yeah. or of colour, yeah? yeah. yeah. Um, and she's been using language like the invasion of Im immigrants. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, if Nigel Farage said that, yeah. and he has done in the past, everyone's like, that is so dangerous. I mean, yeah. people are calling what she said dangerous. Yeah. But she's saying that the day after there was some petrol bombing down in Dover, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've not looked at that story uh, any further than knowing that there was some petrol bombing down yeah. there. Now, that's like crazy that she could say that. And I hadn't thought what would be if she was white and saying that. Yeah. I mean, it would be it would be uproar. But yeah. so which and this just do you think that's purposeful? Uh, I think there could be. Yeah, I think there could be some um, a, a, a deliberate strategy in kind of. Um, driving forward policy. I mean, I'm not saying that they're just mouthpieces and they're not at the leaders of it. I'm not saying Priti Patel doesn't believe it or Suella Bravo doesn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there it, there is a benefit to these policies coming via them versus if it was someone that looked like you. Yeah. So if it looks like me, it's uh, it deflects away from the race element versus if you had said it. Does that have a... Um overly negative like we just talked about whether this you know Rishi Sunak has like a positive impact in terms of uh you feeling what well, I can't forget the word that I'm looking for but to have somebody with brown skin as the UK's prime minister right should it would be nice if that was a really positive experience for you but what you've just talked about surely or not surely does that then have like almost a I mean, look, that's one post, right? Impact. And I think as we've discovered, like you, you got to be careful not to just kind of zone in on, on one point of view. And I think what, what, what's really important in what we do here and the way that we approach life is that we try and get a rounded view. So I'm not, I am not just one opinion. I can hold two opinions um, concurrently. I can, yeah. I can hold the opinion that actually it's a good sign of progression in this country that you have a non-white uh, prime minister leading the country. Um, and at the same time, I can, uh, uh, you know, abhor the kind of uh, approach that some some of these kind of ministers yeah, are taking. Yeah. And I can hold both in the same place. Very well said. Um, cool, man. I want to just uh, move us on, actually. So uh, last week, Elon Musk bought Twitter for yeah. $44 billion. It's a very protect, uh, pr uh, protracted, uh, contentious um Acrimonious deal. Uh, what does that mean? It what acrimonious? No. What do you mean by that? Well, it was pretentious and acrimonious. No, deal. no. Protracted means it took a long time. Oh, okay. Contentious meant it was there was a lot of yeah back and forth and like arguments and legal wrangling. Um, I can't remember what was the last one. Are you okay? Acrimonious, yeah. a lot of fighting. Yeah. yeah so, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, and in doing so, he quickly, you know, he he was going to buy it. At a certain share price, 
uh, then kind of wanted to back away from it and then um, and then was kind of forced to kind of do it. And then before he was going to get sued, he basically kind of b bought the company. So it, it was a very, very messy affair. Um, but in doing so, he's quickly moved to seize, seize control of the company. He, uh, the CEO of Twitter was somebody that he was publicly having spats with. Um, he fired him straight away. Uh, he, he appointed himself as the sole board member and he's now the CEO. So he's the CEO and owner, right? So I think with a company that size of that significance, of that importance, where so many people get their information, I think that's what point number one to kind of raise. Um, according to news reports, around 25% of its 7,000 global workforce are going to be let go. Um, but here's the thing, and this is kind of where I want to go. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried about Elon Musk getting uh, uh, Twitter under his control because I, um, I don't know that he's a very stable person to be at the helm of something that can be so... Uh, weaponized and, and yeah. influential. Within 24 hours of Musk buying Twitter, hate groups flooded the platform. Right, uh, trolls, and again, this is this is what I've, what's been reported. Um, trolls uh, bombarded Twitter with around 50,000 tweets, which came from around 300 accounts. Okay. Uh, the Network Contagion Research, which is an institution, an organization that identifies and forecasts cyber social threats, reported that the use of the N-word had jumped 500% since Musk deal went through. Wow. And apparently it's been reported that Trump is gonna be let back onto yeah. Twitter. So that's the context, right? Um, I think it's really interesting. Musk has waded into sort of things that, like you know, the Ukraine-Russia conflict, and he tr and he redacts it to a really a simple tweet, and I think that's really dangerous. Like something that's so complex, it's like you can just solve it by doing this and this. Clearly, he he's a very clever man. Clearly, he thinks of himself as a very clever man, and I, I like that he's definitely got. Um, uh, the appearance of somebody that thinks, I, I think that he thinks he's one of the top thinkers of the world and he thinks that he can solve world global problems. I yeah. Mean, there's, there's a level of madman to his genius in my point of view. So my question to you is, should we be worried with Musk taking on Twitter? So there's, I think we've talked about Musk in the past, right? And the only, like, I don't know much about the dude. I don't find him massively interesting to listen to because I've listened to him on a, I think he was on the Rogan podcast and yeah. I listened to a bit of that and he just, I found him a little bit boring. The only thing I can go on is that a lot of people that I think are morons in the kind of public sphere like him. So I kind of like would hence my bets that I probably think he's a bit of a plank as well. The free speech thing's interesting. Like I, why, so people the n-word being going up 500 percent or whatever it did why would that happen when he comes in what's the it, why would that it, happen? it's a feeling that uh the content policies changed that actually it's a bit like it's a bit like when trump came to power uh, this is the the metaphor i can give when trump came to power all those things that were sleeping and um conversations that were happening in 
in in backroom circles people felt like they had a platform that they could come out you know a bit like the tyson thing where you know like people who say stuff on the keyboard don't worry about getting punched yeah. in the face they were emboldened they felt that they could have voice okay. they felt they had power and it, so it, it's like okay well we couldn't go you know twitter had you know shut down you know trump therefore when we can't be here so they went to like different platforms um i can't remember the one that um uh, kanye west is just about to buy um uh parlor yeah you know and, and those sorts of ones and they're like no we're coming back here because twitter is still the number one right all these other ones are still fringes compared to like twitter yeah um apparently bmp uh or or what's britain first they they were on straight away and they were like oh well this is different we're you know and like straight away they were back on it it's just giving them a platform because it's mass it's mass uh distribution right yeah so that's why it went up um What's really interesting is um, I think uh, I read that in that article where I said that, you know, 50,000 tweets went out um, in a coordinated, you know, effort uh, from 300 accounts. The, the intent of that was apparently to uh, convince the user base that the content policy had changed overnight. Right. And um, what was interesting is uh, the, the head of kind of the uh, safety at Twitter um, said that the, the the policy kicked in, uh, and and sort of sh and tr and shut down some of those accounts. But then that decision re was reversed. So my assumption is that a conversation has happened, probably at the Musk level, that said, "No, no, we're not doing that." Right. Right. So he's just allowing any yeah. anything goes on now, Twitter. Now his point of view in taking Twitter was that he thinks that the world needs one town square where there can be healthy debate between different sides. And you and I have talked about censorship and that then that there shouldn't be censorship because censorship just drives those conversations. It doesn't mean they go away; it just means they get drives driven away. Drives yeah, yeah. Um, but there is uh, a fear for me around the uh, you know it, it, it emboldens people and enables them to to fuel hate, you know, hate conversations. Um, mm. So it is a it is a converse, it is a kind of a conflict. It's, yeah, and it's it's difficult because um, look, if you shut down Twitter tomorrow and just shut it down, the racists that are talking on there won't go away. Yeah. So there's this thing that's clearly true about empowering them and making them feel emboldened. That's you know that feels worrying, and then there's this thing about free speech and if you stop free speech it you know their 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 opinions and their views don't go away so like i always go to what's a much much deeper uh conversation which is looking at how and why as a society um we're creating people that are f so full of hate yeah um and because if we didn't do that then it wouldn't matter free speech wouldn't matter as much because there wouldn't be so many people that are so full of hate yeah. Um, and there's been people that are full of hate and that have got together uh, throughout the years since the beginning of time, right? Um, people coming together in, in, in the form of hate. And look, I think if you look at the ways uh, racist groups, for example, in the 80s were able to get together and some of the crimes that they were able to commit, you'd have to argue that's improved, is it? In what way? Well, it happens less. I mean, if you look at like the, the like, actual sort of racist kind of killings and stuff in the UK that were happening back in the past. 
And I'm talking, what I'm trying to point to here is not that racism is gone or blah, blah, blah. what I'm pointing to is that these hate groups have been getting together since way before the internet. I agree. I don't know, I don't know the fact, I don't know the data around yeah, 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 race, racist uh, uh, deaths. Um, it was just, it was, it was, it was reported differently, firstly, like, you know, like it was in newspapers on the news and it was that we didn't have the influx of news like 24 seven in the same yeah. way. What I would say is different now. And I think makes it more des uh, dangerous is, is, is you might have had like a, uh, a I don't know, a, 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 a group of skinheads in, I don't know, um, Wherever it was. Wherever, yeah. Brick Lane or something like that, right? Yeah. And that was their kind of, and they might have been part of like a, a network of other kind of groups of skinners. Whereas the distribution now is you could have that group of skinners that could have an impact and, and drive a conversation and embolden, like that distribution has increased massively. And that is, that is the, that is a. Yeah, and I, but I think nature. one of the answers to that is, uh, lies within us all. And I think we've talked about this before, which is, you know, when we talk about like the middle section and being the ways in which people uh, become uh, ex extremists, ex how, do, how do I say the word? We extremize them. That's not the right word, is it? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm getting at, right? I can't think of the wording. Yeah. But like the ways that that happens to those people that, that might be drawn to these groups of people that are happening on Twitter is by the ways in which we create positive conversation in the other way and we listen to those people in the middle, right? And we have those proper conversations and like we do on here, this kind of thing, you have those really difficult conversations. So um, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with your concern and your worry. I share it. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to explore uh, from a from a certain angle to, because I believe I do believe in free speech. Yeah. So I don't get I don't get to believe in free speech uh, apart from speech that I disagree with. Now, yeah. I do think that hate speech is different. Yeah. Hate speech is different, right? And, I, you know, that's a crime for, you know, if I if I go together with a group of people and talk down you because of the colour of your skin, then that, that that's a crime. That's a hate crime, right? So for me, that isn't free speech and that should be shut off. So, so, so that's a really interesting thing. I agree. I wholly agree with that. Yeah. And actually, I think also what I, I want to pick up on the point, which is... Um, we have to do more ourselves individually within our communities, you know, like to um, to bring people into conversation and um, I think and change the narrative. So if you yeah. hear something, I, I saw there was a post going around um, this week. I'll try and dig out for you and I'll send it to you. Um, but it was about a, 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 it was a guy who um, was at a dinner for a client and he said very early on into that dinner, uh, the CEO uh, was about to, it was very clear that he was about to tell a racist joke. And then- I've seen it, I've yeah. Seen I've it. seen and the dude. Think, yeah. like, it's, in, it's incredible because he did a split second decision yeah. and said, you know, I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna say something. And then he explained why it's important. Yeah. I think that kind of education and that kind of allyship is is really like, what we do here is one thing, right? It's good that we talk about it, but then, in a way, it's kind of performative because we're not doing more work outside to actually actively. Um, I think we are. Uh, look, I, I'm being harder on ourselves. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Encourage us to, to to do more. What I'm saying is, we can always do more. Um, but I agree that uh, censorship is never the right way forward. H however, what I think needs to evolve is uh, laws around hate crime. Yeah. 
uh, and then prosecutions. Yeah. Because yeah. if you start really genuinely prosecuting people for, you know, hate crime as opposed to like little lip service things, um, then I think that's going to make a difference as well. Yeah. The problem here, and I don't know if we haven't got time to go into it, but the problem here is the nuance in this, right? Because, and let me tell you the nuance very quickly, like an obvious thing of the nuance. Our Home Secretary that we've just talked about is talking about an invasion of immigrants. Yeah. That's very, these people don't, uh, they uh, don't make mistakes with their language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah? I and, agree. And that is going to send loads of people onto Twitter totally. looking for those groups so here's and to thing. feel very justified. In so it. you asked about, um, you know, how, how these people are driven to extremism. And when, and often it's, it's majoritively, it's young men, right? So it might be young men go towards religious extremism or young yeah. men go to yeah. race extremism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, a, and, and it's driven by special interests. It's driven by, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, governments who are working on behalf of companies uh, and supporting companies and yeah, lobbying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it perpetuates this thing. So they want the divide. The divide wins votes. Votes wins power. Like, that's basically, but that's then it's, why it always But that cycle perpetuates exists. because yeah. Rishi Sunak... Yeah. Taking money away from the urban areas yeah. to give it to the affluent areas yeah. creates young lost individuals, 100%. yeah, who then are looking for something to blame and someone to blame, right? And Richie Sunak, who's charming, and they're not going to blame him, and he's basically supporting these people that are saying, you know what, you know why your life is so shit and you've got nothing in your life and you've grown up in relative poverty? It ain't because Rishi Sunak's wife took all the taxes away and didn't put anything into society. No, no, it's, not, it's none of that. It's because of those immigrants invading our country. Then you can, I think you can very clearly see how a young, uh, in this instance, white boy who or girl or person who, who has grown up in an area where they've had no funding and no support and just traumatized by the society that they live in, how they might reach adulthood being told by the man who's taking the money away from him to give it to more to affluent areas that that ain't his problem. Your problem is the invasion of immigrants coming over from the other I can see how he's going to end up on Twitter with your men that have just come on there yesterday. Yeah, you, 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 that was a very good campaign for the Conservative Party for standing for Swindon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, right? Uh, but yeah. th and that's the, but that's the society that we live in. Yeah. And so sometimes, and I want to say this very quickly. I know we're running out of time. Sometimes, when the race discussion happens, yeah. I think those in power do very, very good at making us think that it's all of us against each other. And it's us that really lack power in our life, mm. that perpetuate racism. Mm. When really, it's fucking driven from the top. It is driven from the top. From those in power. And that's exactly... And, and, and like, you know, exactly I think it. sometimes they they must love that we squabble over, like, the, the, the kind of, like, racism that happens at our level when it's structurally there at the top. And John Barnes gets a lot of stick because he, he talks about... You know, I don't know if you've ever seen him when he talks about football and all that. He's like, forget racism in football. It's like, you can do whatever you want. You can ban it, you can kick it out of football. But when it's still happening at the top, it don't matter what you're doing in football. Get it off your screens and it feels more comfortable and we can all pretend it ain't happening. Yeah. You know, but but it's them at the top. Yeah. And I think that's that's the, that's the point, man. Wow. We, we could keep going on this one. We and could, I think I, th I don't think yeah. it'll be the end of this conversation. Uh, well, we have it a lot. This is what, yeah, you know, exactly. it's the main focus of our... Um, very, very quickly, reasons to be cheerful. I've got a really quick one. I'm going to say it really, really quickly. I chose to, I, I, I heard something on the radio recently and I thought I'd pick that rather than a self-reflection yep. one. Yep. Uh, there was a young boy who was going out with Aston Villa as a mascot 
uh, and he normally wears ear defenders. Have you seen this? Mm. He normally wears ear defenders uh, and he didn't want to wear them out onto the pitch because uh, he thought everybody would take the piss out of him. So Danny Ings, who was holding his hand when he went out, said, get me a pair of ear defenders and I'm going to wear them out with you. Uh, and so the boy wore his ear defenders out and apparently the mother of the child has said loads of people have been reaching out saying my kids feel much more uh, safe wearing their, their ear defenders at football. And as somebody who struggles with uh, sensory stuff, getting over-sensed all the time, I just thought it was a lovely story. Hey, I think we, I do want to just say on that, like I think you, you lead with courage, you lead, with the, lead from the front. And yeah. like Danny Ings didn't need to do that, but yeah. he knew that he used his platform to, um, to make that boy feel safe, but also send a message. Yeah. So on that, I think that's the best place to, to, to leave it today. Good man, love that, mate. Enjoy this, we'll see you all soon. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan.